0: The Around the League Podcast. Underwent unsuccessful arthroscopic surgery.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I am joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? You got the order correct today, I think. Hey, Dan. Hey, what's up? Yeah, the order is correct. I know that people got uncomfortable when I mixed it up, but now everybody's name is in the proper... Uh, Place and we're in a really good spot. It's Friday.
3: TGIF. Also in a good spot, the Cleveland Browns. You know, I mentioned they could be all by themselves in first place. If the Bengals lose, a very losable game to the Patriots, if the Steelers lose, the Browns could be in first place by themselves for the first time since week four of 2002. How do you feel, Mark Sessler?
4: Well, also, though, you know, Cleveland can never really have nice things, <laughs> and so the win comes with losing your quarterback for the rest of
2: the well, season. yes. Okay. Obviously, that was bittersweet, and it was also so Browns, but let's focus on the positives here, Mark. I have known you for like three and a half years. I don't think I've ever been around you when the Browns have won three games in a row, and judging by my text messages last night, uh, which read like a fever dream from <laughs> Sessler, uh, this game... Ran, ran the emotional gamut for you. It did. I just felt,
4: listen, you know, you can pick apart what they did or didn't do. It was one, I just watched as a fan last night, and I desperately wanted them to win that game. I mean, I've, I don't think I've felt that way in a long time. And I think the, the stadium had a sense to it, too, where the, that fan base has been asleep because they've been put to sleep by that organization. There was some sense of excitement. Yeah, they lost Hoyer, and I'm not sure what happens from here on out. But I wanted them to win it. That's all I cared about. I didn't care how it got done, and it got done. How about um, Jim Brown put it
5: best? Just keep that spirit that you have. It's fantastic. I love it. The town loves it. Everybody loves it. You got them zinging now, <laughs> I
2: love that old man song. You
4: know, we talked to him over the summer, and he, I'm not surprised to
2: see that come out of his mouth because he got some quips. He's Jim funny. doesn't move too fast no more, but I'll tell you what. The guy's still sharp, and when you could drop those lines, you know, he's a legend. He's a living legend. That's all.
3: It mattered that this was on national TV, too, doesn't it? When you're a Browns fan, you're not on too much. It, it does feel bigger.
4: Well, and we're all, you know, the Browns are only put on because the league has to put every team. <laughs> That's really the only reason they were in that game. I, I watched it in a big room full of people, and it, it was like, obviously, people haven't watched the Browns in years.
3: And it, who, is this, who is this team, people How thought? How many I thought,
6: people can you fit in your dungeon?
3: It wasn't at my house. <laughs> oh. It wasn't at my house. Well, Chris and I were talking about this after the game. We, I was wondering how you'd feel, because from our perspective, we thought Browns fans must not really be enjoying this that much because Hoyer, it looks like, has a serious injury, and I feel like the ceiling of this team is much lower without Hoyer. But it doesn't seem to have diminished the excitement too much.
4: Well, I mean, really, I think that no matter what happened this season, it seems like their, their goal is to go get a quarterback, in May, and and maybe in a way, uh, you know, Hoyer having a big year or something like that would have muddied the waters there a little bit. I wonder if long term, it's it's crystal clear. That's a great clear. point,
2: I think, because yeah, if he would have come in and delivered a twenty three touchdown season and was decent and led them to eight wins they could have ended up sitting on him and that could ultimately be a mistake and that's
4: exactly the last time chud was in cleveland and that's what they did with derrick anderson after that one <laughs> deal with the devil season right and they signed him to a big contract they keep everyone around for three more years and they and it completely crumbled so i still think the team needs to start over quarterback wise in the draft
6: i changed my answer since last night on this one i'm so down on whedon that it had me thinking that browns pan, Browns fans couldn't possibly be excited, but from what I've seen from the defense and Jordan Cameron and Josh Gordon in particular, there are enough bright spots on this team where you can feel like, hey, we're building something, and if we do get a quarterback in may we we've got a chance to take control of this division
3: and yeah. if and maybe we didn't in there, they don't win quite as many games they get a better draft pick, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. You know the bigger news in that game, I thought or just as big was e j Manuel going out and we learned today he has an LCL sprain and they couldn't run offense when uh, Jeff tool was in there and so it sounds like Manuel's going to be out a few weeks you knew that was coming
2: with tool yesterday um, you know he clearly isn't ready to be playing at this level especially games that are close in the fourth quarter so this manual injury is very bad news for the bills obviously because do you can you envision a situation where Jeff tool is leading the bills to victories in then uh, during October I I no,
6: I think this is our latest reminder that the preseason means absolutely nothing, because he looked good in the preseason, facing third-string defenses. <laughs> yeah.
3: Brandon Whedon, too! Right,
6: right. Brandon Whedon, too. <laughs> the, you know, these our po- August pocket presence doesn't really matter in the preseason, because you're not getting rushed by third-string defenders like that.
3: Dan picked the Browns to go 9-7, and seven exclusively based on <laughs> Brandon Whedon's <laughs> preseason performance.
2: Also, the heart of Chud, who I picked as coach of the year, and that... That's about five wins away from happening now. So That's a rollicking excited. train.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the Bills have the Bengals and the Dolphins in the next two weeks, the Saints in New Orleans after that. So those are a, some tough defenses. Do, we, do they go get Josh Freeman?
4: I would put a chance of Buffalo going and doing that over Cleveland right now because I think you've literally got nothing at quarterback if you're Buffalo. And right at the point of the season where – Doug Marone's first campaign could run off the rails if they don't have something
2: solid. That's a good point. But what about Josh Freeman? I mean, it's not like you could sign him off the street and he's your starter next week. By the time he'd be ready to go, Manuel would be probably back in the lineup.
6: No, you
3: could play him over Jeff Toole. It's not
6: like we haven't seen guys sign. We saw Vinny Testaverde at age 44 signed off his couch and came in and started for the but Panthers. He was a genius.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't start him over at uh, that week, uh, but you start don't recognize him, him over without Tool. a chemi-
6: chemistry lab.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this actually, we had a discussion last night. Who are the worst starting quarterbacks that we've ever seen? Because we were wondering if Tool would be that guy. I came up with Cody Pickett was mine. Wes had some good ones. I had
6: Brian St. Pierre. Uh, <laughs> well, various, like various iterations of Chris Winkie, Tyler Palco. What about Eric the- Hippel?
3: Eric Hipple Ken
2: Dorsey the Tyler Palco Express I will never forget (laughs) that hit those wounded ducks thrown
6: on those might have the might have the weakest arm I've ever seen on a football field.
3: Spurgeon Wynn was no Dazzler
6: his name came up
3: no one remembers Cody Pickett but that 49ers team where they ran out Pickett uh, Dorsey and I think Pickett was the fifth string guy, and just they all kept getting injured. Was the worst NFL team I've ever seen. By the way,
2: if John Beck is listening to this, he's just been holding his breath
3: the last 30 (laughs) seconds. Congrats, John.
6: Uh, Shanahan's personal Hall of Famer. Who was the other guy? The
3: card. Oh, Max Hall. That was another. That was a good one. Disaster. All right,
2: so let's uh, get into week five, Uh, the rest of week five, anyway. Uh, We have uh, 14 games this week. As we do every week, we'll start out by spotlighting four games that uh, attract us for one reason or the other. And uh, why don't we start it off with Mark Sessler. I am taking a look at
4: Denver-Dallas. And, you know, I look I look at this Broncos team, and at what point are we going to just realize, you know, they're fascinating to watch because of how dynamic they're on offense, but will any of these games be close? This is a perfect opportunity for a Dallas team that i a couple of weeks ago predicted would essentially win the NFC East at 8 and 8. I don't understand how they have a chance in this game, but what a chance it would be for Tony Romo to pull off a classic upset. I don't see it happening though.
6: I absolutely think they have a chance. I think the Broncos are the best team in the NFL, but the Dallas is not a bad team. I think they're a very good team and you know this this could be a lot closer than people think.
3: I'm not sure what to think about their defense though cuz at times they look really impressive rushing the passer. But they gave up 500 yards last week in San Diego. They did not really play well other than the turnovers in week one. Morris Claiborne is a problem for them right now. He's getting picked on. They're benching Bruce Carter. So I'm not sure what you're going to get out of this defense yet.
2: I believe the Cowboys are 27th in football and passing defense. Uh, so everything is telling us that Manning is going to continue to roll. So then it becomes a situation. Do the Cowboys have the firepower to match it? Which I think they do. So we could be dealing with you know, a shootout, which will
3: be fun to watch. It
4: could be a massive game for Tez Bryant.
3: Broncos' yeah. defense has played well, but I don't think they're a great defense. And they've protected Roma well. I think they can score. Wes, uh,
2: what is the game that's jumping out to you? i have got uh, Patriots and Bengals.
6: This could be the game where the Patriots' luck finally con- runs out. Greg and I were talking about this last night. He, he might not admit this, admit this publicly, but he's a little worried about the Patriots this week.
3: I'll admit it. I picked the Patriots because <laughs> it's a rule that I picked the Patriots, but this is the first game I've thought they're going to lose all year. I just think it's time. I think this is the best defense they've played all year. Uh, they tend to struggle with big physical teams that can dominate you a little bit, and I, I think the Bengals will give them problems. I, I have a hard time with that after what I saw from Andy
4: Dalton last week. It was awful. And it's in you know New England's defense is not the you know the lay down unit that it's been in the past. I, I think that this is not a great game for Andy Dalton or the
6: Bengals. Well, we've talked about how Andy Dalton goes in a shell when AJ Green isn't available as an option, and the way Aqib Talib and Devin That's McCourty true. are playing and taking away number one receivers, that could be an issue.
3: Wesley, I couldn't help notice you came into the office today with a big. File of nineteen eighty-seven paperwork or it looks something like that. What is this? Check out the
6: highlights and underlines and everything. So
2: this is wow. There it is. <laughs> wow. That's the holy grail. That is exactly what Wes has been speaking of for weeks. He has an entire file. What? How do you describe it again?
6: Well, it was a legal file folder when I used to work at a law firm. Yes. I had one of the legal files, but it's now in like a hanging file folder. But what
2: is it exactly?
6: This is my evidence for why I broke up with the Bengals about 15 (laughs) years ago. It's uh, It's various articles and research about how they ran their operation at the time and why I felt the need after they left me at the altar to not go back to uh, their loving arms. This is a, this is wonderful madness. Russ. This is
3: insane. He has highlighted articles from salon.com places that <laughs>
6: Remember King Kaufman from <laughs> salon.com don't
3: even exist anymore some weird iteration of ESPN. He has a 1998 article from the Enquirer entitled Mike Brown's Was- contribution to the lunatic fringe. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How about uh Bangles charging $3 for tap water. <laughs> That's the most Bengals article ever. I like have how you, you could, ever... Clearly, this all these were printed up on a Netscape browser <laughs> right. with a 56K <laughs> dial-up connection hey, at, look, Like I don't, a library computer lounge. I don't
6: take sports loyalty lightly, and if you're going to break up with your team, I think you have to have, a, you have to make a case. So have you I, you ever I
4: made felt, a case. Have they ever lured you back to potential fandom, and then you've gone to visit this legal
3: file for...
4: Evidence no. of why not? No. Did no. you?
3: Were you doing this at the time, or then you decided, okay, I'm going to break <laughs> up, and then I went back and printed all these out. I would
6: say half and half. Like some of those articles are from '98 when I broke up with them, and then maybe by 2002 they were having another re- really historically <laughs> awful season, and I thought, okay, maybe I have to remind myself of why I broke up with this. And team. did,
2: and did you? Ever pre- did you ever present your case? Is there someone that you do present such a case to? Well, every
6: once in a while, there'll be some very short-sighted, ignorant fan who will have this opinion <laughs> that you can never break up with a team. and you have They think loyalty is only a one-way street. The fan has to be loyal, but the franchise doesn't. And at that point, maybe I can go get my research and show them why exactly this. People forget because the Bengals have had a few good re- years. How bad of an operation they were. Right. It was a a long, long time. The worst operation I've seen in sports. I
3: I have one that's accusing Mike Brown of breaking constitutional rights of freedom of speech. I have another, (laughs) which I forgot about, where the. Bengals, I guess, lightly threatened to move to Cleveland? Did you remember this at all? Something no, that city sounds outrageous. People forget about deals. all the
6: egregious things they did. How
4: can the Bengals threaten to move to another city with a team that already implanted? No, or was, it was it during the... Hey, look, was I, the, I was hoping the they'd go.
2: There. I'm looking at something here. Wes scrawled it in crayon that the <laughs> Bengals and Brown were in the grassy knoll in, in <laughs> Dallas,
3: 63. Well, this now we, we understand Wesseling's... Uh, Divorce from the Bengals. Better I know. I still
2: true. don't understand. It actually leaves more questions than answers. <laughs> we can talk about this over beers. We will. <laughs> and we will. I don't know how we get back on track because I want to dig through. <laughs> Literally, I, I feel like we're not describing it properly. There's probably, what, 300 pieces of paper in that file? Yeah, we will
3: uh, take a photo of this and uh, send it out on our Twitter account, some highlights, and and you guys can take a look. Oh, boy. (laughs) All right, let's
2: let's try to get this train back on the tracks. I'll talk about the game I'm interested in. That is uh, the Seattle Seahawks uh, going into Indianapolis to face the Colts. I like this game because, A, I still don't know about Seattle on the road. I did, that win over the Texans on Sunday, I kind of put that more on the Texans blowing it than Seahawks winning it. Although, you know, of course that's not necessarily fair, but that's what I did. Uh, as for the Colts, I feel like no nobody's really truly bought in yet on this Colts team. I know they're 3-1. and one, They have that really nice win in San Francisco. But I think if they win this game, we have to look at the Colts as a genuine... AFC contender.
3: Well, I think the, we've
4: bought in, right? Yeah, I think we have And This is the best quarterback Seattle's faced this season, and you're not going to have Andrew Luck throwing some outrageous pick six at the end of this thing, the
3: way they did last week against the Texans. Three of us picked the Colts to win this game. I did, Wesling did, and Kevin Patra did.
6: Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but this is the same thing we've been saying about Seattle all year. They're unbeatable at home. They're a 500 team on the road. They've lost. They've won 2 road games so far this year and they were outplayed severely for the first 3 quarters in both of those yeah, games.
3: Yeah, but that's a that's a trade of a good team.
6: It is, but that doesn't mean I'm going to pick them to win.
3: I took the Colts this week cuz I think they can play that Seattle Seahawks style of football, close defensive game, run the ball well, and I'll take Andrew Luck in a close game at home on turf, uh, you know, over Russell Wilson. Maybe. I don't think
6: we disagree. I think the Seahawks are the Maybe second best team in the NFL, maybe
3: first. I think the Colts are good, though. But the Colts are good. That's what, yeah, Yeah. I agree.
2: And I'd say one subplot I'll be watching just because I find it kind of fascinating is Trent Richardson. He's still rushing about three yards a carry. He's going to have a tough task, obviously, this week, but let's see what he does against Seattle. Um, Did you not find it interesting that he's number one in pro football focus
6: elusiveness rating? I don't get that. What what does that even mean? I got into a big debate with uh, Sam Monson from pro football focus on the word elusiveness. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they were uh, using the
3: wrong word. But a lot of that came in Cleveland, too. I tried
6: to convince him he should change his rating to the Bo Jackson rating. Right it combines power and speed because Legarrett blunt won their elusiveness rating one year which seems anathema to me. So
2: is it if if he breaks one tackle at the line of scrimmage and gets brought down 2 yards later, it's a plus play for elusiveness? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and he has broken a lot of tackles. Yeah.
6: What I've seen from him this year, he's not slow, he's just indecisive. He doesn't yes. hit a hole hard. And he is breaking a lot of tackles, but he's not getting big runs because he's not hitting the hole hard. I do
4: think that in Cleveland he faced you know eight guys in the box play after play, and that did not help on any level. I, I still expect him to have
3: a better second half of the year with Indianapolis. I found it very interesting that Chuck Pagano, while he mentioned Ahmad Bradshaw, is going to figure out what his plan is in the next couple weeks. Sounds like he might be gone for a long time. Called Colts backfield like a three-headed monster that we're going to go with three three guys Donald Brown you know Richardson obviously mentioned first and, and the undrafted guy and didn't really you know mention Richardson as he's just going to get the ball
2: and Richardson has to be a little curious about what's going on in Cleveland doesn't he I'm telling you
4: what outside <laughs> of that Indians loss like no Cleveland team lost since he was traded like
2: dumping
6: your girlfriend and then she goes and gets somebody better than you
3: it's happened to us all
6: Greg what is your game this
2: week that interests you.
3: Lions and Packers, fun teams to watch. I love watching Detroit. I think we all pick the Packers in this game because, you know, the Lions haven't won there since 1991 and all that. That doesn't mean anything right now. And I don't think we know how good this Packers team is. And I don't think we know how good this Lions team is. It wouldn't shock me if they go in there and win this game. I love the, what I see from the Lions because they're not really getting great, great play out of Stafford and yet they're winning games. They can win in different sorts of ways. I think they could give that Green Bay offensive line a lot of problem. And to me, I think this is going to be the most entertaining game of the weekend.
2: Greg, we have a special guest this week, don't we?
3: I'm very excited about this. We're bringing in a special guest this Friday. We're going to try to do this each Friday to talk about some games. Uh, We're bringing in Ross Tucker, who has more jobs than anyone, I believe, in the football media business. Uh, he works for NBC Sports Network, Sirius XM, NFL Radio. He's got his own podcast, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Uh, you can reach him at Ross Tucker NFL is his Twitter account. Ross, welcome to the show.
5: Thanks for having me. You guys have done a great, great job, not only with this podcast, but with the blog, man. I love it. I, I know you guys take turns, but your, uh, your roundups, your recaps, I mean it's uh it's much much needed for me and and all the jobs you mentioned i need i need somebody that's helping me you know reconcile everything quickly so um, you know, the, the, the tough thing is I need to make sure that my takeaways aren't always the same as your takeaways <laughs> I like from a different game.
3: We bring Ross on, and he starts uh, plugging us. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Ross, thanks for calling in. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're in Chicago this week for the Saints-Bears game, but there was so much offensive line news this week, and you're a former offensive lineman that I, I wanted to get your – takes on the trades that we saw this week. Levi Brown goes to the Steelers. Eugene Monroe goes to the Ravens.
5: Yeah, I, lo- I loved both trades and what they represented. I actually wrote about this in my column at, at the Sporting News uh, because I don't like Bryant McKinney and Levi Brown very much. Um, and I'm glad that the Baltimore Ravens are benching Bryant McKinney and that the Arizona Cardinals basically got rid of Levi Brown for nothing. You know, both those guys... Brian McKinney in particular, I've been watching him for years. And I, I can honestly say, guys, I don't think I've ever seen any player in the NFL, certainly I haven't seen any offensive lineman manage to get away with playing as much as he has by giving out less effort. I mean, it's unbelievable. I've, I've never seen a guy walk on the field as much as Brian McKinney does. I've never seen a guy give less effort. The only time that he's ever played well at all, is really when he feels like it, uh, which was a couple times in Minnesota, and certainly, you know, in the playoffs last year for Baltimore, but then they give him the new contract, and Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, two guys from the U, aren't there anymore, and he goes back to really his, his lazy ways. You know, you almost feel bad saying that, calling somebody lazy, but I, I don't know what he's like off the field. Maybe he's a hard worker. I don't know. I highly doubt it. <laughs> I'm just going by inside the white lines. He gives minimal, minimal effort, and I think the Ravens were just tired of it, and they said, let's bring in Eugene Monroe. It's a contract year for him. He's a young player. He's a better player. So I like the fact that McKinney is going back to the bench. And then out in Arizona, I mean, they're 2-2. Two and two. They're in the mix as, as much as any other 2-2 two and two team, yet they treated Levi Brown for nothing. I mean, they, they you know, the, the Arizona Cardinals basically said, and whether it's Bruce Arians or Steve Keim, I don't know, but they basically said we can't stand watching Levi Brown play football anymore. I mean, that's because think about how much money of his salary this year they're still paying, and he's another frustrating guy because you, know, you gotta understand I, I was below average talent and kind of an overachiever, and those guys are both way above average talent underachievers. Levi Brown has not gotten better with his technique one iota since his rookie year. And it's really, really frustrating because at this level, so much of it has to do with technique. He's never improved it. The only solid year he had was not so coincidentally in 2011 when it was his contract year. And the Arizona Cardinals, listen, it's their fault. You know, I guess they felt like they were desperate. What are we going to do? But they gave him a nice new contract. But the new regime said, we're tired of it. We'd rather put some young guys in. We don't think they can play much worse than Levi's playing right now. And maybe we can build something with them for the future. So I guess, you know, it's a great day, in my opinion, these trades. For anybody like you guys, who absolutely I can tell from your tweets and your blog, you love the sport. You love football. You wish you had the athletic ability that those guys had. (laughs) So I love that those guys got genesis. I guess the only person that doesn't really work out for is Steelers fans because they're bringing Levi Brown in. To be there starting left tackle, but I think Mike Tomlin thinks that he can motivate Levi to play at a higher level. But, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. The Arizona Cardinals have been dying that since 2007. Look,
3: don't besmirch my athletic ability, Ross. You know, I don't think <laughs> you're yeah, giving us sure. no, you know,
5: Judging by the amount that you tweet about tennis, I'm sure you're really good at tennis, but <laughs> I've already seen you in person a couple times, so I'm pretty sure you never played online. That,
2: that, that's <laughs> fair. That's <laughs>
6: accurate. Hey, Ross, Chris Wessling here. How are
5: you? Hey, I'm doing great, Chris. How about yourself?
6: I'm well. Hey, I have a question about this Saints-Bears game. I really want to – when I watch the Saints, they have two mismatches. Tell me about how the Bears are going to stop Darren Sproles and Jimmy Graham and a little bit about how Sean Payton is using them.
5: The only way they can stop those guys, I mean, other than, you know, trying to bracket a guy like Jimmy Graham, which from time to time, I've seen coordinators do. I mean, I've seen – Romeo Cornell when he was in Kansas City and New England and Belichick, I've seen them do some hilarious things to tight ends like Antonio Gates like, where it's almost like a punt, um, and, and they're the hold-up guys, just not even trying to get up, let them get off the line of scrimmage. But other than that, with where they move those guys around everywhere and with different motions, different formations, it's just so hard. The only way you can really do it, I think, is by, is by getting the Drew Brees very very quickly um and the bears i just don't feel like their pass rush has been quite where it's been in recent years now losing henry melton really hurts that where they've kind of improved under mel tucker is they're blitzing a lot more than they have your know, dj williams had a couple sacks against the CO. so my guess chris is that they're going to try to bring inside pressure from the linebacker level with dj williams and or Lance Briggs to try to get to Breeze, get and breathe his face as quickly as possible. The only other thing I would throw out there, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it this week, is, you know, with Aaron Cromer being the OC in Chicago now, you know, he intimately knows the strengths and weaknesses of every guy on the Saints offense, including the offensive line, whether that's De La Puente or Charles Brown or anybody they've got up front. So maybe he thinks that they can exploit some mismatches there, but that's about all I can think of. I mean, the league's really come down to guys like Sproles and Jimmy Graham and Wes Welker, which is why I think that people have totally undervalued those positions. You know, the contract that Cruz got from the Giants, the contract that Welker got from the Broncos, even the contract that Sproles got to leave San Diego and go to New Orleans, those guys are more like, worth like 10 million dollars a year to me and i'm surprised these teams haven't recognized it yet i mean those guys Wes welker is worth five to seven third down conversions of five to nine yards a game well you know how much a team an owner would pay before a game if you said hey we can guarantee you two more third down conversions or three more third i mean that's worth a lot of money i don't understand why teams don't value it as highly as i do
3: yeah, I agree. Sproles' contract, when you when you kind of look at it, is one of the best deals yeah. in the entire league. And how much would you know the Patriots love to have Welker right now? Mm. Ross, great stuff. Um, it's a great game this week. You have Bears and Saints on Sports USA Radio. Go check out Ross's podcast, Russ Tucker Football Podcast. And uh, we love to have you on, Ross. Let's do it again sometime.
5: Yeah, anytime, fellas. You know that. Keep up the great work. I'm really enjoying it, and you're really, really helping me, more importantly,
3: with all my gigs. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
2: All right. Take care, guys. Okay, so that moves us right along to our hero pick segment.
0: Defend your hero.
2: There it is. Okay, with Ross, we were just talking about the Saints and Bears game. Mark, you have the Saints as a hero pick this week.
4: I don't know how. I mean, I, I would have thought after what we saw against the Dolphins and actually what we've seen in general that someone else would have taken New Orleans here too. I'm delighted with it. Couldn't ask for a better <laughs> hero pick. And I mean, my defense of why I chose them is, I, you know, I, I, I walked out of Monday night's game thinking, you know what? I, I have overlooked this team. This is a Super Bowl contender.
6: I picked the Bears for the same exact reason because the Saints look so good that I figure they have to come down a little bit from that. The Bears played against the Lions and lost. Maybe they have to bounce back from that.
2: One question I have, I know, Wes, you especially, you've been really excited about Cutler's play at least the first three weeks. Um, Should we be nervous a little bit after a rough game in week four that we could be going into one of the Cutler funks, or is this going to be a situation where it will be different this year?
6: I don't have an answer for you because I think Jay Cutler is one of the most unpredictable quarterbacks in the NFL, and I like what Tressman has done, but is that something that's going to take, or is it something that's going to be hit and miss all year?
3: But watching that game, it wasn't something where you thought, man, Jay Cutler's back to his old habits, making crazy throws. He has no business making. He just he just missed a lot of throws. Right. It,
6: w- it wasn't like him being a bonehead. It was just made a mistake.
3: And the Saints aren't the same you know they're not the same way for the Superdome they're not the same on grass I mean I don't I don't know what it is but that's been the case
6: when Sproles is one of your best players he's he's a different player he's a perfect example of a dome player
4: this Bears line which is obviously better than it's been ever during Cutler's career against New Orleans front seven that I can't wait to see that
2: oh and one thing I'm curious about and I'm with you Mark I agree that you know, I've slept on the Saints a little bit, potentially being another uh, having another big season. But are they a team we should really, truly take seriously? Could they, for instance, go into Seattle in January and beat the Seahawks? Are they are they that type of team? Or are they just a the team that's going to pile up wins in the regular season? They just seems to me on offense, they you know they didn't have
4: Graham for a big chunk of last year and everything was off last year. But remember who they were the year before, almost unstoppable on offense. And Brees is playing at a high level. Sproles and Graham give them weapons.
6: Let's not forget that every October and November, we see offenses running wild, passing the ball all over the place. And in December and January, it gets more conservative, more constricted. You have to be able to run the ball a little bit. And the Saints haven't shown they can run the ball at all this year. That's but true. they
3: were a 13-3 and three team a couple of years ago when they had no defense. You give Drew Brees at peak efficiency with an okay defense, doesn't need to keep at this level, and you're a Super Bowl contender.
6: Right, but if they have to go on the road... In a, in a cold-weather stadium in January, that's an issue for the Saints more so than other teams, I think.
2: All right, let's move on to Greg uh, with another hero pick for the Dolphins taking down the Ravens at home. Feeling good about the Dolphins after a tough uh, Monday night loss, huh, Greg?
3: I don't feel good about either one of these teams. <laughs> Has anyone watched the Ravens' offense here? It hasn't been good for a month. I think it's a coin flip game, so I took the home team. I didn't think about it too much. This is a, I think all our hero picks are favored. I mean, the, the Dolphins are the favorite in this game. Those Saints are the favorite in the Bears game. So it's not a crazy pick. I can see why people aren't buying the Dolphins. But I think what we saw in the first month of the season, they're going to be in every game. And I think the Ravens are going to have a hard time with any halfway decent defense. And right what
4: now. happened to Miami on Monday night is not going to happen against uh, Baltimore. I mean, Joe Flacco, and obviously we all know the guy's an uneven quarterback in general, he was a disaster last week. And I don't understand why Baltimore ran the ball nine times against a Bills defense that had been giving up about 150 on the ground each week coming in. It was odd to me.
6: That's going to be fixed this week. Harbaugh went out of his way to say, look, we need to get the ball in Ray Rice's hands. He's the centerpiece of our offense and he will get on track.
3: And they're not an easy team to run against. You mentioned they're not a team built the Dolphins, that is, for a track meet. I think they like this sort of matchup and I think they're a better team right now in Baltimore.
2: Wes here's a game I'm kinda of fascinated with. You you took the Texans uh to beat the Niners on the road on Sunday night. Uh coming off the Texans are coming off one of the worst possible losses you could have, at least in September. You know what I mean? Like, this This is a team that is in trouble a little bit, you would think, at 2-2 two and two now. You think they're going to win in San Francisco. Tell me why. This hero is another. This, this is a real hero, hero pick. This is another <laughs> coin
6: flip game. But you you remember, like, uh, we see a player at the end of his career, uh, Ed Reed, for example, last year. Judge the game, not the name. That's who the 49ers are right now. Judge the game, not the name. They're not playing like the 49ers. They, they wiped out the Rams on the scoreboard, but the 49ers didn't play a good game. The Texans, I don't know who they are right now. They dominated the Seahawks for three quarters, so we know they can beat the, the 49ers. We know they can do that. At Can't, home. And, you know, I, Greg's made fun of me a little bit for how much I've pumped up Cushing. And I'm not saying he's the best <laughs> linebacker in the league, but this defense just plays totally different with him in the lineup. They are one of the most dominant defenses in the NFL when Cushing's on the field. And when he's off the field, they're an average defense.
4: You know, Dan took a ton of heat in the city of Houston on radio (laughs) for going out on a limb at the time and saying Houston was an 8-8 football team. I don't have a big problem with that. Not today. And Dan even said to us, wait, why could they be 8-8? I can't think of how, uh, you know, two big games that Matt Schaub has won on the road in a game like this where they shouldn't have. He doesn't get it done, and I don't think he's going to
6: on Sunday. He really never has. To
3: Chris's point, though, Schaub's had better moments this year overall than Kaepernick, and the probably the most consistent unit in this game has been the Texans' defense. They've been good. So I, I hear you. I thought it was a coin flip game, but I'm, I am I kind of don't trust Schaub at the end.
2: Okay, uh, my hero pick, and I don't know why I keep doing this. Is, <laughs> this is just like, I don't even, the behavior is just so destructive. I picked the Giants for the fifth straight week. They are single-handedly, as K. Rich behind the glass shakes her head, diehard Eagles fan. Uh, week after week, they let me down. And I really – nothing. I, it's basically a sessler I have that – a feeling that I understand that the Giants have to win eventually. Demi- Wait. I, this was my exact
6: same reasoning for picking the Giants last week. I had a Cessler. They <laughs> well, have to win eventually. These Sesslers come true. These
3: Sesslers have you in last place in the picks, and you in second to last. Yeah, we'd encourage you, Dan. Just keep picking New York, and I keep need to come up season. with a Wessler. The yeah.
2: So shut up, guys. First of all. Second of all, <laughs> the Eagles. They don't. They're not very good to me. I don't. I don't think the Eagles are a, a very good team at all. And I obviously I can't say the Giants are a good team. But the Giants have to win eventually. They're at home. It's going to happen this time.
6: Let's talk about the inconsistencies of Dan Hanses' convictions. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you will never pick the Chargers again because they burned you, but you'll pick
3: the Giants for five straight weeks. And you hate the Texans. But to your point, this is how inconsistent he is. He picked the Chargers this week. What? He has no – it doesn't matter what he says. Greg's up out of his seat.
2: He's up. Listen, uh, that is – I lack honor. As I say say on my Twitter profile, I'm a a seven-and-a-half. Seven and a half out of ten on the human decency scale. I'm not perfect. None of us are. I can't. I didn't realize that Philip Rivers was going to become an MVP level player again. So you know, get off my back. But uh, fair yeah, enough. You know what? I don't know what to say. I don't know why I picked the Giants. I'm upset that I did, but I did, and I just I have a Cessler. It
3: like, could look great. Who knows? It's like when sometimes you go to a funeral or you hear people talk about someone, and they're like, "When he said something, that got done. <laughs> no one's going to say that about
2: no, Dan. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I, I can deal with that. But to your point, Wes, the the Chargers game really bothered me because it was a hero pick. I don't think I've had a hero pick on the Giants yet. If they burn me uh, They're dead Sunday, to you? they may be dead to me for a period of time until they start playing better, <laughs> and then they will come back to life. Way to stand
6: your ground. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> now let's go through the orphans. These are games that uh, weren't spotlighted by us. We're not hero picks, but they're still games and we should still be excited about them. We'll start with Mark Sessler, the Jaguars and St. Louis Rams squaring off. Two teams not playing very well. Somebody probably has to win.
4: You know, listen, on on this show, Brian Schottenheimer has not gotten a lot of love for this crew. uh, Deservedly so, I think. Us? Yes. We are not big Schottenheimer fans historically in terms of our words. That's true. If they can't go out and operate offensively the way they say they plan to against Jacksonville. Then I had I don't really understand when it's going to happen this season. I'm suspicious that they're actually going to look just the same they do every other week. I just I don't see a lot to like about the Rams, their quarterback, their coaching staff, their scheme, and the way <laughs> they've used any of their players.
6: <laughs> well, I told Greg, I I kind of feel a little bit better about the Jags this week with Justin Blackman coming back. Mercedes Lewis is getting healthy. And then I remembered they just traded their left tackle. And they're going to put Luke Jokel, who has struggled at right tackle, they're going to put him at left tackle. And actually,
3: Lewis re-injured his calf.
6: Okay, so I'm wrong about that. (laughs) So there's nothing for Jaguars fans to look forward to. Oh, and
3: and you get to play Robert Quinn and Chris Long on turf with that line. With
2: your bad quarterback. Wouldn't the Jaguars be the perfect team to sign Josh Freeman? Because you obviously Gabbard's not your future. obvious Obviously, Henny's not the future, and Freeman. You could take a flyer on him, see what happens. If he doesn't show you anything, you know who cares? You what if he ends else. up
6: messing with your chances of getting
2: the first overall pick? Well, now you're getting into a bit of a slippery slope. Territory. Well, and
4: frankly, they their whole thing about pitching Gabbard as this guy that still has a chance. I don't buy it into it all. I've heard that no front office has worked harder for longer to look at this year's draft of quarterbacks. I think they, they're very much not into suddenly going 9-7 and seven with Josh Freeman, not that they would.
2: I, the reason I said that, Wes, is because you're insinuating that it would be better for them to lose, which makes sense from our point of view, but for the team itself, you would think they're still dedicated to winning, right? Or am I being naive? Are
6: you, are you saying I'm accusing the Jaguars of tanking? I, I didn't say it.
2: <laughs> I didn't say it, but it seems like you're, you're messing with the integrity of the mustache.
6: Sean. Well, what if you look at Josh Freeman and you decide he's not—he's not our kind of guy? You know, there are reports that he hasn't been good in the locker room. He's not a leader.
3: And it, it sounds like the Jaguars aren't interested. From you there, know, could I, be a
6: lot of reasons they're not interested.
3: All right. Well,
2: whatever. <laughs> then you know, enjoy playing Gabber. What do you want from me? There's a shadowy <laughs> league figure coming in. Wes, uh, tell us a little bit about Kansas City and the Tennessee Titans.
6: Uh, I am still trying to uh, get on the bad side of Chiefs fans. I'm going to pick against them again just so they can fill my Twitter box with hate, and then I can block. <laughs> I can add to my uh, Dikembe Mutombo-like block figure on Twitter. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Chris is standing up and waving his finger at us right <laughs> now. Mutombo.
6: Uh, 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 I can't say I'm excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but it's a vote for the Titans defense, which has played better than every defense they've played against.
3: I picked the Titans to win this game too. I thought I might get a hero pick for it because – are the two quarterbacks in this game that much different? No. Are the defenses that much different? They're, they're kind of similar teams.
6: They are. They're very similar.
3: So I, I, Tennessee. Every week you watch them, they're a little better than you expect. I'll them admit to be. that
6: Alex Smith is better than Ryan Fitzpatrick just because Fitzpatrick has more turnovers. But it's not. He's not like a. It's not like Fitzpatrick couldn't channel some, uh, some magic for a few quarters and outplay him.
3: They're very. They're actually the opposite quarterback. No one has a higher ratio of aggressiveness to lack of arm strength than <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because he doesn't – like Alex Smith, he doesn't have a gun, but he doesn't care. He comes in there, and he's just going for it. Throwing he, caution to just, the he's wind. He's a
4: man with a giant beard. <laughs> That's all that life should requires be, uh, sometimes. He
6: should have a paper towel endorsement.
2: Um, <laughs> he should. Because – what is it, brawny man? Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice Room the slowly warms up to <laughs> that um, joke. Okay, so <laughs> uh, let me talk about the the Panthers at the Cardinals. This one was a bit – fascinating to me because this was a straight sweep for ATL, including Kevin Patrick. All five of us picked the Panthers to beat the Cardinals on the road. Um, I don't know what we've seen from the Panthers to all pick them to beat a Cardinals team, at home at this point. Uh, they won a
3: game 38 to nothing. Do you remember? I'll tell you that? what. Can you. Yeah, you, but, you know,
2: that's different. <laughs> Have that you was a total.
3: Arizona's offensive line.
2: Uh, listen, I I don't know why we all picked the Panthers. Are they that much better than the Dan, Cardinals? Dan, who's
6: the uh, rookie of the year candidate for the Panthers on defense?
2: Oh, you, you're going to put me <laughs> on the spot there. Star Lou <laughs> <Lutalalali>. la <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> Start Lutalele, but for but really, that's
3: that's <laughs> outrageous.
2: That's the, ma- the matchup. That's a crazy pronunciation. Pronunciation of it. I don't incorrect.
6: think Arizona's depleted offensive line can block Star Lutale and company.
2: That's not how you say it. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm the, the thing, I'm not sold on the Panthers in the sense that uh, let's see them win a close game, especially on the road. Let's finish a game out. Haven't seen it yet, so.
3: Hey, let's see the Cardinals not win a game at the last second against Mike Glennon and Sam Bradford. Right. This is not going
4: to go <laughs> well for Carson Palmer, who is a statue back there. He's going to get canned.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Greg. The San Diego Chargers and Oakland Raiders playing at 3.30 in the morning on Sunday night.
3: It's actually (laughs) 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific. What a company, man. It's on NFL (laughs) Network. Chris Wessling's going to be in the office until the wee hours of the morning. I'm going to be home eventually watching this game and being excited. I'm excited about this game. The Raiders' defense is spunky. Uh, Terrell Pryor's back. Phillip Rivers is playing at a high level. I I think this is going to be a more interesting game than people think. And the question I have to ask is, are the Raiders going to get that win and put your softball <laughs> pants in jeopardy? Yeah, that's the real question.
4: Will Chris <laughs> Wessling eat his softball
3: pants? And, and for those out there that don't know, I listened to our last podcast and realized there's probably a lot of people listening that don't know. If the Raiders win <laughs> six cop. games, the, Chris <laughs> Wessling has to eat his softball pants. And the Raiders have shown some fight this there's year. There's a
6: pulse. Wait, they have one win?
3: They've been competitive <laughs> besides that.
6: I'm not really worried about my softball pants yet.
3: You thought they were the worst team in the league? They're not the worst team. They're in
6: the, the second worst team in the league. Well, they might be bottom 5.
3: Better than the Giants. You okay, gotta make the, I'll give
6: you your that. Your pants are safe, I think. 6
2: point 6 wins seems a little more likely now than it did 30 days ago.
6: If Matt Flynn ever makes another appearance in a Raiders uniform, my softball pants are spick and span. <laughs> They're hanging up in the closet and never
2: getting touched. It's more likely that you appear in a Raiders game again than Matt (laughs) Flynn. That's a good point. His coach despises him in an open sense.
6: I just want to say that I can't wait until after this game when uh, I'm driving home and it's only me and drunk drivers on the road (laughs) at 3 in the morning.
4: You're not expecting me. On Monday, I come in at 4 in the morning to start reporting on what happened the day before. I will have no input on this game. I will be asleep.
6: I'll, I'll give you a high five on my way out the door. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um all right, so let's go to the last game of the of the week, and you know listen it, the jets are jets are on the road in Atlanta against the Falcons team that needs the win. Jets don't have any other wide receivers. they have a rookie quarterback that might be a walking disaster. uh This probably will not end well for gangrene. you know what they do have though. Snacks. <laughs> they do have snacks, Harrison. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a great man and a, a great figure in, on the de- defensive line, but they're not going to be able to score any points, and they probably, even though they do have a good defense, the Falcons are going to score 25, 30 well, points. What season. if Rex Why, Ryan pulls Why off- are the
3: Falcons going to score that much?
2: I don't like the. I don't like the. Well, the, this is the biggest problem with the Jets defense, and it's not their fault. It's that their offense puts the Jets defense in a terrible spot with these turnovers, and they ended up playing at least two or three series where the, it begins in their side of the field, and they get burned that way. I think if you believe in Rex Ryan, th- this is the game
4: that he could turn ar- around. Essentially, the way people feel about him as a head coach of the Jets, this is a huge opportunity for him. Will he take care of business? No.
2: Oh, that's not fair to Rex. <laughs> Come on, can't put it on Rex if they get whooped in Atlanta on Monday night.
3: Atlanta's one and three. I, can I put think it they on. could give. I don't see why the Jets couldn't give him some problems. Did anybody pick him? No. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, it's the same matchup as uh, Arizona. You've got an offensive line that's been outplayed all year, and then you've got a Jets defensive front seven that's been lights out.
4: That is their hope. Their defense has been interesting to watch.
2: Right, and don't. Yeah, you can't. The one problem is you already have the Geno Smith issue. Uh, You don't know what you're going to get from him on a series-by-series basis. Now you have Santonio Holmes and Stephen Hill out of the lineup. Ouch! That that was already a shaky uh, wide receiver group. Now he literally has no one to throw to. I don't imagine uh, the replacements will be uh, getting any openings in space.
6: starting? Ben Obamano? Oh, he got cut.
2: Yeah, we'll have to (laughs) Somebody probably gets dined off (laughs) off the street to start. Jeremy Curley getting 412 targets. (laughs) Clyde Gates? (laughs) It's depressing. Clyde Gates. Let's get Braylon Edwards back on the team. Um, okay, so that is week five. Uh, we will be back on Sunday, as we are every week, breaking down all the games uh, of the week. And I guess, I don't know, it's going to be a little different with that that midnight game.
3: Well, we probably won't break down the Raiders-Chargers game. <laughs> so there you I'll go. I'll be in here
2: by myself. So please,
3: still, d- <laughs> still download. It's fine. You can yeah. figure it oh, out. Oh, that's
2: a good point, Greg. Uh, go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, download, leave a star rating, the large shadowy league figures. Um, that That's the only way that will keep us alive. Literally, they will snuff our lives out if you don't do that. So please <laughs> do it. Um, okay, until Sunday, uh, this is Dan Hanza signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, Cambridge behind the glass, and of course, Lyle the engine. Till Sunday.